night, everybody. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, my name is Chuck Leemaster with Team Faith, and uh, it's, it's my, I always say this, it's my privilege to be your, your TNCC pastor, and uh, that's through thick and thin, that's through good times, and that's through bad times, and it's, it's wonderful to see this family come together uh, in times like this. So tonight is a tribute to Chris and Cody Craig, and with that, uh, we're here to honor their memory, we're also here to what God has to say to us. And I'm just going to start us out with some prayer. God, thank you for the sunshine today. Thank you for this beautiful place. Thank you for yet another day of, of your mercies. Another day to, to love one another. Another day to learn who you are and who your son Jesus is. I pray, Lord, that you will just settle on this place, settle on us right now, and just give us your comfort, give us your peace, give me the words. I love you so much, Lord. It's my honor to be your servant tonight. Amen. Friends, this is Isaac Moore, and uh, he is, he's going to lead us, uh, I think, into a great beginning for the evening.
Thank you, Isaac. Isaac, actually, he will be playing uh, here in a little bit. And uh, I just love, I love watching somebody that God has given talent to. And you don't just become great because you're talented. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, as anybody would know. And I just love to see it when somebody embraces what God's given them, and they go out there and they live it. And I think that we know some people a lot like that. I think that we, we're here to celebrate a couple of people that were exactly like that. And uh, it's, it's my privilege to have been able to call Chris and Cody my friends. And uh, I know so many of you here were able to do the exact same thing with those guys. And so we're here tonight to celebrate them, to honor them, and to learn from them. And of course, being a pastor, I have to take it to the Word of God. And sometimes the things in the Bible aren't always the easiest things to understand. For example, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon, he was the third king of Israel, and he was still very young when he took the throne, and he didn't know what he was doing, and he has a dream one night, God comes to him and says, Solomon, what is it? If you could ask me anything in the world that you want, what is it that you would ask me? Solomon says, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need discernment to know right from wrong. In other words, I need wisdom. So God says, all right, because you've asked for such a great thing, you're going to be the wisest man that there will never have been anybody like you or anybody like you after you. And, of course, I'm going to give you the, the wealth and fame that you didn't ask for. So Solomon, he writes three books of the Bible. You've got Proverbs, you've got Song of Solomon, and you've got Ecclesiastes. And, and in the Ecclesiastes, we kind of realize that Solomon, in the middle of his career, he goes kind of off the rails. And he doesn't follow his own advice. And there's, there's nobody here that's like that except for me. But Solomon, at the end of his life, he writes Ecclesiastes. And he writes some things that we don't always understand, maybe intellectually, but one of the things that he wrote, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but he says this, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, he said, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, which is a really weird thing to say, it's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a comedy club, than to go to a party. He goes on, he says, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Intellectually, I can understand what he's trying to say. But I have a heart knowledge of that now. Because what happened last week? It was two weeks ago, this very this very day in Georgia, we were getting ready to start chapel, which is at 7 o'clock. And we got the news that Chris and Cody had been involved in a fatal accident on the way to the track. And uh, it happened earlier in the day, obviously. But it hadn't been made public to the GNCC nation just yet. There are some rumors on social media, but here at the track, that's really unreliable. And so is that chapel service that we shared that tragic news, that really, really sad news that left a hole in all of our heart. And I put my notes away at that moment. I had, a, I had, a, I had a, the greatest message of my life was already planned and prepared. And I had to put that away and say, that's not where we're at tonight. And, and we, as a church family on the GNCC circuit, we had to wrestle with why do bad things happen to good people? And we went right back to the very beginning in Genesis. And we looked at original sin. We looked at Adam and Eve, you know, that, that fruit that looked so tempting that Satan says, you can be just like God. And isn't that really what we all want? I want to control my own life. I, want, I don't want rules. I don't want regulations. I certainly don't want some guy in the sky telling me what I can and can't do. We want to rule our own lives. And so that's what they did. They took that forbidden fruit. God says, okay. Without choice, there is no free will. Without choice, there's no opportunity for true love. But with that choice comes consequence. 
and the consequence, the wages of sin is death. And so death has entered the world, and it is a broken and fallen world. It's a messed up world, and bad things happen to good people. And things that we don't understand happen. And we can't reconcile them in our minds and in our hearts. But God in His greatness, God in His graciousness, His love for us supersedes our choice. And He sent His Son Jesus to this earth. And it's through Jesus that we're made right with God, both in this world now and in the world to come. And there's great hope and there's great comfort in that. But when tragic things happen, like what we faced here a couple weeks ago, what we're continuing to process and work through right now, don't really want to go to the house of mourning, Solomon. That's not where I want to be. Yeah, I can sit there and I can I can say that the living will lay at the heart. But I don't really understand that with my heart until last week when I was at the funeral. I drove over here to Lenore. And I went to uh it was it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I know that we don't like to relive bad memories, but man, sometimes the memories are just so sweet that they have to be relived. And I have to tell you that that funeral that day was a tribute and an honor to two men that I had privileged to have known. And many of you weren't able to make it over here for that, and so I just want to relate to you just a little bit about what happened. It was thousands of people. These guys had made not just an impact on GNCC, not that we could just call them friends, but so many people had called them friends and co-workers and, and, and loved them. And just thousands of people came out. And the line for the receiving line on, on Tuesday night was just unbelievable. And then on, on, on Wednesday, I made sure I got there because of the because of the long wait the night before. I made sure I got there like an hour and a half early and I barely got a seat. There were so many people coming in. And um, and at the end of it, we did this procession, I don't know, 25 miles to the grave. It was a spectacular sight. Because these guys were firemen. I don't know that all of us here at GNCC understood that. But both Cody and both Greg, Greg and or Chris and Cody were both firemen. And so it was a very, uh, very touching thing to see the fire trucks loaded. And then the processional all through town. And all the fire trucks coming out. And all the EMTs and all the police officers and all the people standing at attention and paying tribute. And as we rode out through the country, we just mile after mile of the same thing. It turns out that this was actually broadcast by a local TV crew. That this procession was streamed live on Facebook. We were doing 6.8 miles an hour. Okay, that's what the GPS said, 6.8 miles an hour. And I admit, I sinned, I was bored. I looked at Facebook while I was driving, 6.8 miles an hour. Oh wow, they're live streaming this thing. That's amazing. There's the fire truck, and I see that landmark where the fire truck goes. Why well, at the very end? There's only like ten cars behind me. And so, okay, I'm gonna count my mileage till I get to that that landmark. Three miles later, that's how long that procession was. Thousands of people. These men had touched so many lives. They left a legacy, one that we can celebrate tonight, and one that we're gonna celebrate the rest of our lives. But here's what happened at that service. Friends got up and talked about their friendship with Chris and with Cody. And most of the time it was with both. It didn't matter what the, what the age was, they were friends with both, as you can imagine. I think it was Ian, one of, one of uh, Cody's friends, that stood up at the end. 
He's one of the last friends that spoke. Tolson. We've been hearing some really cool stories uh, about how, how, how Cody liked to blow dry his toes. And uh, we heard about some crashes and some races. And we heard some really humorous things. Well, Ian stood up there and he said, yeah, that sledding story about jumping the ditch. I was there that day. I broke my ankle that day. Turns out that he had, uh, he, 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 you know, he got to go to the EMT uh, on that day, hanging out with Cody. He told some really cool stories, but then at the end of it, in a broken, heartfelt, and every friend, every friend actually, honestly, every friend did this. They always brought it back to Jesus and how these men had a relationship with Jesus. But Ian said it best. He said it comes back to Jesus, y'all. And he said it with all the heart that he had. I got to tell you, that was the most profound statement of the entire day. It goes back to Jesus, y'all. You see, these, these men, they lived for something more. And it made a difference. And it makes a difference. And so today, on their behalf, I want to tell you about Jesus. You know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow's Sunday. It's race day, right? It's also Palm Sunday. And if you recognize the significance of Palm Sunday, you go back almost 2,000 years into Palestine, into early, early Palestine, into Jerusalem. And on this day in Jerusalem, there are people out in the streets taking off their coats. And they're laying them on the street, and they're cutting down palm branches, and they're laying them in the street, and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in Matthew's account of this, this happening, Matthew's account of this event, he says that there were people that turned and said, who is this? And the answer was, this is the prophet Jesus from Galilee, of Nazareth of Galilee. And he's coming into town. This is the event of Passover, which is a really, really important festival for the Jews. And for their community, you, this goes all the way back to the, to the Old Testament and the crossing of the Israelites out of out of Egypt, out of bondage and slavery, and coming into freedom. And the Passover, the angel of death is passed over them. They're getting ready to celebrate this. And this prophet, who they've been hearing rumors about this prophet who has done miracles, how the blind have been able to see, the lame have been able to walk. There was even a guy named Lazarus who was raised from the dead. He was dead and buried for four days. And the rumor is, is that this guy came back to life. And now this Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're celebrating him as the hero. You see, at this time in Jerusalem, they were under Roman authority, Roman control. The Jews, the nation of Israel, didn't have control over their own country. And they were desperate to get control of their own country. And so for, for three years now, all of Jesus' followers are saying, Are you going to be king? Are you going to do for me what I expect you to do? And Jesus always said, No, I'm not going to do what you expect me to do. And he said weird things. There was one time that they tried to make him king. They were going to take him by force and make him king. And he said, Unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh. And they're like, What? That's weird. Friends, if you've ever heard that Jesus is nothing but a good teacher, put that thought out of your head. He was a terrible teacher. Because what does that mean? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. That doesn't make any sense. He comes into Jerusalem. They're saying, oh good, we're going to hear some more of these miracles. He's going to do some amazing things. He's going to be our king. And they're all celebrating him. And they've got their expectations 
of who he was and what he ought to do. You know what the first thing was that he did? He goes into their holy temple. He takes their tables full of money where they were charging people, hey, your sacrifice isn't good. You've got to buy this sheep. And they were extorting money from the people and they were making a profit in there. And Jesus goes in there and says, you're not going to do this in my father's house. And he turns the tables over. He takes a whip and he drives them out of there. And then he said, this is my father's house. And he starts meeting people's needs right where they're at. He starts performing some miracles there. But then the next thing you hear is that he's doing this commute between Bethany and he's, he kills a fig tree. He just does some weird things. Late in the week, late in the week, he has the Last Supper. Well, we now know, 2,000 years later, it's the Last Supper. He's with his disciples in the upper room. And he has a conversation with them, and it doesn't go very good. But this is the Jesus that we like to know. This is John chapter chapter 14. And this is the passage. This is the passage that we often hear at these kinds of events. Jesus says, uh, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, we hear those words of comfort in times like this, and we think, ah, peace I leave you. That's exactly what I need is God's peace. But when Jesus said it, there was no context for it. If you know the end of the story, then you have context for what Jesus meant. But when Jesus first said, my peace I leave you, not as the world gives, let not your heart be troubled, disciples, his friends, people closest to him had no clue what he was talking about. Later on as they're walking, they go walking through a garden and Jesus says some weird things like I'm the vine and you are the branches. They don't really connect the dots on what exactly that's going to mean. He says uh, and then he says something really strange. He says a little while and you will see me no longer and again a little while and you will see me. His disciples like we're not going to see you, then we're going to see What is he talking about? They even say, what is he talking about? Jesus says, knowing what they were saying, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Once again, makes absolutely no sense. He goes on, and he finally says some things that his disciples are like, okay, now you're making sense. And he concludes with this. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. And this is probably my favorite verse in the entire Bible. It says, In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I love that verse, because we hear it, that Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In the present tense, I have overcome the world. And his disciples are sitting there, and they're grasping it. I have overcome the world. I love that. It's a powerful verse. But that's not the reason it's my favorite verse. The reason it's my favorite verse... Is because in a matter of hours after saying, take heart, I have overcome the world. Hours. And he's dead. And the world has overcome him. You know the story. Even if you never spent a day in, in, in church in your life. You know the story that Jesus was crucified on that Friday. We call it Good Friday. It's, it's really it's the Black Friday. It's the original Black Friday. They hung Jesus on a cross. Perfect and sinless, had never done anybody any wrong. But obviously he upset the religious leaders. The religious leaders had some power and some authority. They were able to stir up the crowd. And they crucified Jesus and they kill him. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And the world overcame him. And I love it. Because on the third day, the tomb was empty. 
And because of that, we have hope. When we see tragedy in this world, when we see things that we don't understand, when we look, we shake our fist at God and say, how could you? We have hope because the tomb was empty. It comes back to Jesus, y'all. I love it, Ian. Well, truer words have never been said. You want to know why it comes back to Jesus? Listen to this. We started out in Genesis, the original sin. Let me take you to the last book in the Bible. This is Revelation chapter 21. The last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, are the most awesome and most inspiring things you will ever read. Let me just read it for you. This is John. He's had a vision. Jesus close, One of Jesus' closest disciples has had a vision. This is about 60 years after Jesus has been killed. And John has a vision. He writes it down. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, and we know from reading earlier that he who is seated on the throne is actually Jesus. It comes back to Jesus, y'all. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, for I will be his God, and he will be my son. That's why it comes back to Jesus. He paid that penalty, that penalty that you and I, none of us are getting out of here, except by one leg. And we deserve it. But Jesus paid the ultimate death for us. And it really does come back to him. In a crowd this size, not everybody has done what Chris and Cody did. Not everybody has made Jesus Lord of your life. Romans 8, 28 says that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him who were called according to his purpose. God didn't cause the accident. We like to point fingers and say, God, how could you? It's a broken and fallen world, my friends. And I'm sad to say it. It breaks my heart more times than it doesn't. But we have free will. And choices, not that there was a choice made in this, but accidents happen and they're tragic and they're sad and they hurt us. But it doesn't mean that God is against us. What it does mean is that there is only one God who can make beauty from ashes. And that this will not go to waste. That the legacy that these men left is for some of you right now to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You want that peace that Jesus said, peace I leave you? It's Jesus in your life. It's you laying down your life and saying, God, I don't care. You take my life and you can have whatever that means. You can have my life. And then God starts doing a work in you. And he starts changing you. I can't say that when I'm buried, there's going to be thousands of people at my funeral. But I can say that what God does in my life right now makes a difference for eternity. And it will for you too. If you would, just bow your heads. You've never done this. 
And you want that peace? You want that water? That everlasting water? You're thirsty? In the quietness of your own heart, you just say something along the lines of, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. And I accept the gift of Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life and I confess my sins. Have Jesus pay that penalty for me and come into my life and make me a new creation. You pray those prayers, that word right now, and God absolutely will do it. He will make you a new creation. His peace, he'll give you that will see you through the storm. I'm going to pray for you right now. God, thank you for the people that are gathered here. Thank you for my friends Chris and Cody. Thank you for their family. Thank you for the heritage that they grew up with to make you Lord of their lives. We know where they're at right now, and we rejoice that they're in a better place. We rejoice that they're with you, and that their pain is over, and their suffering's over. There are those of us that are left, and we are hurting. And we need the peace that Jesus promised. So, Lord, I pray for those people that did make Jesus the Lord of their life just tonight, that you'll guide them and you'll direct them to people that can help them grow. For the rest of us, Lord, comfort us. Draw us close to you. Be with the family in the days ahead. Be with us as we grieve and as we move forward. But, Lord, we love you so much. We know that you don't let this go to waste. We thank you for Chris and Cody and giving us the time that we had with them. Thank you for their legacy. Thank you for their example. We trust you, God. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pass some stickers around. If you need some stickers, please take them and, and uh, just keep on keep on passing them. I know we've had a lot more people come in. And with that, tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock on the starting line, there will be a balloon launch in honor of Chris and Cody. I invite any of you that, uh, that would like to, to, to talk with me, maybe you said that prayer tonight. I'd love to talk with you about it. I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to know the God that I know who does give peace and passes understanding. Until next time, my name is Chuck Lee Master, and I'll see you out there in the starting line.